Hi, my name's Shelley Flett. Welcome to the Dynamic Leader Podcast, where I share insights, experiences, successes, and failures with leaders from across a broad range of industries and business structures. I maintain that each of us needs to be open to sharing our experiences and making the leadership playground safe enough to fail, to grow, to have fun, and ultimately become more dynamic. So please sit back and enjoy. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another Dynamic Leader Conversation. So today we're talking about one of my favorite topics, which is accountability. Uh, When I'm working with leaders, this is one of the most challenging skills that I find they have to develop. And I think it's challenging for a number of perspectives. Uh, While some leaders don't want to um, upset other people, um, others don't want to feel like they're disliked. Um, And so there's a a bit of a... um, a balance there and there's others that feel comfortable with um, giving feedback or holding people accountable uh, but their delivery lacks empathy and often compassion or even just um, the right preparation to have the conversation and of course then there's the ones that um, hold others accountable but they don't hold themselves accountable or let others hold them accountable either which compromises integrity and psychological safety uh, along with trust Uh, And so I think in an environment like we're in today at the moment where I see a lot of leaders that are struggling with their workload Mm -hmm. and I see many that are bordering on burnout, which is really concerning, I think this conversation is so well-timed. And to join me today, I've asked Dr. Paige Williams, who is a researcher and PhD in organisational behaviour, to come and share her expertise Uh, Paige is a trusted advisor and mentor to senior leaders, and she uses a potent blend of neuroscience, psychology, and her own 20 plus years of international business leadership experience to help leaders surface uncomfortable truths, see the rules they need to break, I like that one, um, in order to break through and lead themselves, their teams, and their organizations to thrive. Thank you so much for joining us today, Paige. Oh, thank you for having me here, Shelley. I'm really looking forward to our conversation today. Absolutely. Now, you are the author of a book called Own It, Honouring and Amplifying Accountability. And I'm going to go straight into um, a, a bit that you wrote in the introduction of your book, but I really, I loved it. I'm like, I want to have a conversation with you about this. <laughs> <laughs> so you say accountability is about personal ownership. Accountability is about integrity in action. Accountability is about doing what you say, say what you'll do, and perhaps more importantly, what you can't. It's about speaking truth and being deeply honest with yourselves and others. I doubt many people would disagree with the statement and I love what it says, but I wonder how many people actually get it from an application sense. Because I think in theory, it, it sounds like, and I'm sure everyone would read it and nod their head and go, yeah, 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 of course. But it's they're putting it in action. But I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, I I so agree with you. I think you're right. I think people could read those words and they would connect with the deeper meaning um, that we can attach to accountability. And then I think the litmus test is if I then, you know, half an hour later said, hey, um, can we go and have an an accountability conversation? Like the knots in the stomach and the (gasps) reaction that comes from that isn't so much connecting with that deeper meaning that we recognize that it can have but very rarely does it have that in our lived experience of it day to day. Um, And it's one of the things I most highlight in the book early on is that we've got to fundamentally reset our relationship 
with accountability so that we're not holding people to account you know and in my in my mind I have us you know holding people up against a wall or holding up a corner store you know it's it's very much a power dynamic where we are forcing accountability on people and I talk about the need for us to shift the fundamental energy that sits behind and with accountability from one that's fear-based that's about punishment uh, punitive measures generally too late after the horse has bolted and shift away from those dynamics towards an energy where we're calling people to account, where actually by being clear and transparent and setting up accountability in a completely different way, we're working from a place of seeing people's possibility, seeing how we can partner together in accountability. And when we do that, we call people to account from a place of love. And I think that's what we're speaking to then in that deeper understanding of accountability is the possibility that it could come from that place rather than one that's kind of punitive, punishment and consequential um, in a way that that drives fear and means that we never want to have those conversations. Mm. You talk about the um, the mindset, the own it mindset. Can you, is that what feed, that feeds into what you're talking about just now? Yeah, I think one of the first things that we need to do in any kind of accountability scenario, and and it speaks to this, do what you say, say what you will do, integrity in action. And the first piece is what's mine to own. And so the own it mindset before we go anywhere in terms of calling or inviting others into their accountability is to acknowledge what's mine to own in this. What's my action that I did or didn't take? What are the questions I did or didn't ask? Did I flag that this was an issue? Did I make clear what the boundaries were for me in this? Um, And so once we've done that, once we've asked the question, what's mine to own? What action can I take to help progress this now? And what can I put into place that can, in a more long-term sense, make a difference to this situation going forward? Um, once we've answered those questions, then we can kind of sit in our own integrity and go, okay, I've done what's mine to own in this. And now I can go to others and invite them to step into what's theirs to own. But unless we've done our work first, we can end up just um, really creating and sustaining a culture of name, blame and shame where we just point fingers outwards at people and circumstances and say that everything that needs to be done is sitting out there. Um, and that's not constructive. It, it keeps us in what's called the drama triangle, which is one of the things I talk about in the book. And it means that we're not making progress because so much of our emotional energy, um, so much of our attention just is spent in drama rather than in actually getting clear on what we need to do together and partnering to make progress towards that happening. Really interesting um, you know, topic to talk about. Um, and it's one that I do find that I speak to leaders about, which is responsibility and how much yeah. responsibility are you taking for what's yours versus what's not yours? And I think, yeah. um, you know, the mindset, we talk about um, Carol Dweck's mindset or, you know, there's other um variations of that but you talk about the power of really learning lessons and seeing what what you could do differently and feeling empowered and in control of things when you're doing that from a leadership perspective I think there's a a balance from a responsibility point of view is you can't be responsible for everything and I think a lot of leaders 
put that on themselves. And I think that's what's driving a lot of the burnout. What are your thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. I so agree with you, Shelley. I think that um, a, a lot of my work with leaders is about reframing why we need to let go of traditional models of leadership. They're broken. They're not serving us. They're not serving the people we lead. They're not serving our organizations. They are so out of touch with the reality that leaders are working in every day now. And we need to fundamentally renew our leadership and review what our beliefs are about what good leadership looks like and really deconstruct them and examine them for how does this serve me? How does this serve our people? And one of the things that comes out of that kind of examination is that actually we don't need to have all the answers as leaders. We can let go of that belief that we have to have all the answers And um, I wrote recently in a newsletter that actually I think the most strategic leverage point we have as leaders are fabulous questions. And if we ask the right questions, what we do is we draw out the wisdom and experience of our people and Mm. we hand them back the autonomy that is theirs to have and that drives performance, drives levels of well-being, Mm. drives levels of connection and automatically takes them towards their own accountability and responsibility. Mm. Being able to um, to identify what's not my problem to fix, you know, it's yeah. the, I, I hear, and it's really amplified after the two, the, the past two years is, yeah. you know, um, my staff are under pressure. I don't want them to burn out. And it's like, have you had the conversation? Is this coming from your people? And a lot of the time it's not, you know, that's no. not your problem to own. A lot of people yeah. aren't near burnout and I think that a lot of um, the pressure is manifested through the 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 leader's state and I don't think it's theirs to own no this is and it's so interesting isn't it is that as you say over the last couple of years we've had to um, really shift things and support people a lot and that you know there's been a very real need for that absolutely and um, I was working with um, a variety of leaders last week in different settings, some of them commercial, some of them educational, um, some of them um, small business owners. And the constant theme was, we're not where we were in COVID and we're not completely out of it either. And we're in this kind of messy middle where the expectations of our people are, are almost like still like that we're in COVID. But the reality is that our operation, whatever flavor that is, small business, education, but large corporation um, is not like operating wise. There are more demands that we need to meet now than there were this time last year in our COVID state. But there's this lag between where people are and what the business is, what the operation needs from them. And leaders at the moment are stretched in trying to bring those people over to what the business needs, what's the, what the operation needs. And I talk a lot with leaders about that whatever your entity is, whether that's a school, whether it's a small business, whether it's a business unit within a large corporation, that entity has needs in and of itself from your people. And so you as a leader, part of your responsibility and accountability is to make sure those needs are met of that that organization or or business entity. And so to understand that that's a valuable and um, a very real need in terms of the portfolio of needs that you're kind of juggling and and looking to meet, I think is an important thing for leaders to bear in mind. And and yeah, there's a bit of a, a, 
kind of almost like a swinging back at the moment of we've been absolutely people focused as we needed to be. And now we're having to draw those people across to, well, now we've got operational needs that we need to meet as well. Um, and, and there's some tension in that right now is my sense of things. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, even 12 months ago when I was having conversations with leaders about um, where are you holding people accountable uh, when those conversations, need, you know, this is just on the basic, this is your, these are your objectives, you need to deliver on those. So not even anything over and above that. Yeah. There was this sense that I can't go there because yeah. they're too delicate right now and now's not the right time. And I think they've put themselves back, you yeah. know, five plus years in the development of their team. I mean, how do, how do they get back from that now? I think it's really interesting. And I think that, um, you know, we talk about helicopter parenting and how we don't want to wrap children in cotton wool. And yet, actually, I think one of the uh, maybe unintended consequences to come out of COVID is that we've wrapped a lot of our teams and team members in cotton wool as leaders. And look, that it, at times there was a very real need to do that. And I, and I don't think that we should um, kind of um, deny that in any way. And the only way we learn to chew crunchy food is by chewing, right? If, if we're constantly fed pureed food by leaders, then, that, then we lose the capacity to chew. We lose our, our muscles. We lose the ability to feel stretched and challenged and be okay in that. And mm. it feels like that boundary of what's okay and the level of chewing or the crunchiness that we're able to chew has kind of been reduced. And so... I think the challenge or the opportunity now for leaders is to understand how is it that we can reintroduce solids, you know, I in love a the metaphor. intentional, very deliberate way that isn't that it that moves people along a pathway. Um, and that is that is very clear that this is the pathway we're moving along. And in the research I did for the book, um, I found that there were these two factors that absolutely underpin success with accountability and, and the first one is clarity of expectations mm -hmm. and I think you know if leaders get super clear around what that introduction of solids looks like and, and are able to then make that clear with their people um, have conversations and listen as well it's not a one-way street mm -hmm. accountability as I've spoken to is a partnership so these clarity this clarity of expectations comes through a dialogue whereby at the end there is it's absolutely clear what's agreed and understood in terms of how we're moving forward. Mm. Um, and so I think that's something that leaders can really shine a light on right now is to make sure they're super clear themselves and they're making that clarity really available to their, to their people. And even if it's to say, we don't know everything right now, but we do know these three things. And even that is better than nothing. Mm, absolutely. I love that you talk about um, expectations. Often when I'm coaching someone through having those accountability conversations, you end up, um, you find out that the expectations that they'd set around that were um, assumed or they were vague or they were, or they're ridiculously outdated and not relevant or, you know, a number of things. And so I think I've talked a lot of leaders out of having conversations that I think would have uh, ruined 
or um, compromise their their culture and and how their team yeah. sort of gets along. And I think that's um, I love the. I love that you're talking about it being a, a joint um, partnership, that it's a relationship that goes back and forth. Um, yeah. I talk you know, in the book about that, you know, accountability is a system. It's a dynamic system. And so there's the person asking for accountability, which is the account or the person being asked for accountability, the accountee. And then there's the it, the whatever the task or 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 what it what is the the nature of the accountability, the subject of it. And then there's the context mm. in which all of that is happening. Um, and so you know what you were saying right at the, the start of our conversation around you know different types of leaders. And sometimes I, I often I speak to leaders and they're like, well, I feel like I've got really strong values around accountability. My concern is that if I go if I go strong on this, if I'm really clear and I hold and call people to account, like I'm going to be the bad guy because no one else is doing it here. We've got this culture of politeness where everyone kind of says they're going to do things in meetings and then nothing comes out of it. And I'm going to be seen as the bad cop. Um, and I don't I don't want that. I don't want to risk my career in that way. Mm. And so this contextual piece is really, really important. Um, and I talk about there being three, three main issues with accountability. One is confusion. And you've just spoken to that around, are we really clear what we're even talking about here? You know, just to get clear around the terms, what's the difference between accountability and responsibility? Mm. You know, and I ask that in many, many senior leadership groups and, you know, the different, there are a number of different answers that we get. So there isn't even an agreement at the most senior level around what these two terms mean. But once we get clarity around something like that, then we can feel more confident and in, in actually having the conversation because we all feel like we're using the same language in the same way. We're setting up the same expectations. We're following through on those expectations, et cetera, et cetera. And then that leads us to the, which means we create a context in which accountability is normalized. It just becomes the way that we do work together uh, rather than something that's kind of added on um, after things have gone wrong. Um, and it's actually used in a way that sets us up for success. So once we address those three things, the first one is confusion, the which leads us to have a lack of confidence, which means we don't set up a context for accountability. Once we address those three things, a lot of the kind of accountability cascade happens quite naturally. And shouldn't be a surprise. There should be no surprises in that in that respect. Like this isn't, it's hilarious in a way. I kind of, you know, I go, this isn't rocket science and it really isn't, right? It isn't rocket science. But at the same time, this is the thing that if you haven't had this conversation first, then don't do anything else, right? Before anything else, do this. Because everything that you do after this work will be more effective, will be stickier, will be um, make progress more quickly. There'll be less drama. There'll be less stress. Mm. There'll be less wasted time, effort and resources. So do this work first and then do your transformational change project or then do your, um, you know, your big building or then do your new IT system. But do this accountability cleanup work first. Um, I often call it like listerining, listerining your team, listerining your culture. Let's get all of this cleaned up and then you're going to work together so much more effectively and get more done in a more joyful way. Mm. My, 
my question on that is leaders are still so reactive they're social like not short-sighted as in they understand the longer concept but they tend to be like right here right now uh what's going to relieve my pain or, or discomfort and help things improve right now and you know I'm, I'm constantly having these conversations about you've got to play the long game so i 100 see the merit in do this first and then all of that will will come but the reality of that requires them to be a little bit better managed with their time or their priorities or or something. See, what I, is it? What is it that I needs? Think, to no, it's about changing the nature of the conversations. We come back to questions. What questions are you asking, right? And so it comes back to this isn't about us adding more on. Like if they are firefighting, which which many leaders are doing. What they are doing is they are having conversations. They're asking questions. They're talking to their team. They're following up on stuff. And so what we are doing is changing the nature of those conversations. Now, absolutely, it might mean that in the immediate term, they actually need to take an hour and have the right conversation, asking the right questions to start this cleanup process, Mm. right? But I think in the grand scheme of things, if they start with an hour and that clears up, I don't know, 10 to 20%, and then they start feeling the benefit of that and then they clear up the next 10 to 20 percent I'm certainly not I'm very much you know I've been a leader I've managed big teams in multi-sites across multiple countries actually and I know how time pressured leaders are so any work that I do is about let's not add more in let's do what you do differently Mm. so that it has more impact and is more effective for you and your team and the outcomes you want to achieve so that's what the invitation is with this. They're doing accountability in some way, shape or form. Mm. What this is an invitation to do is let's do it differently. Let's do it so it works better for you and for your team and for your organisation and for your stakeholders. Um, and I think it's, a, it's that mindset shift that you talked about earlier, Shelley, that is the biggest part of this mm. uh, because then they show up differently and the different questions feel quite natural to, to move towards. And I think, um, you know, you, you talked about the conversations already having, they're already taking place when they're firefighting. I hear less questions and more statements at the moment. Yes. And yeah. I think I think that's the start, isn't it? It's the, if you could flip the statement for a question, then it yeah. stops being about this directive from me to you and it starts yeah. to give you some responsibility of it. So let's, let's give an example. Let's imagine that something's not going according to plan. And so I'm having to pull in my team or a team member to find out what's gone wrong. And so rather than, rather than coming up with a list of statements around where things are not going well, imagine starting that conversation with a, so what's your understanding of where we need to be right now, right? And so what I'm asking you, Shelley, is for you to tell me what you think good looks like right now. Mm. And maybe right then and there, just in your answer, if your answer isn't the same as what I've got in my head or what I've told our client, then that to me is there's a knowledge gap. Mm. And that's the bridge that we need to build here. Mm. Now, why did that knowledge gap come about? Yeah, we need to have that conversation as well. But by asking you the question and being open to hear your answer and not to be blaming you, but actually to be sitting in the, okay, So there's a knowledge gap here or there's an understanding gap. How do we bridge that so that we can move forward effectively now? And what do I need to understand? What do we need to understand to make sure that doesn't happen again? 
So that do you see how just from that asking that one question and then mining the answer for it, not only do we get a resolution to what's going on now, we get the opportunity to go right. And where did that knowledge gap come from? Because I understood you attended this, 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 and this meeting, which is where that was, you know, put in place. I'm making the scenario up now, but yeah. you get the gist of what I'm talking about. And so then we get to mine into behind the well, how did that knowledge gap even come about? So out of that one yeah. question, we get a way forward now and we get to resolve the issue for the future as well. That's yeah. just a quick example of how questions are so powerful. Absolutely. And I think, you know, going back to um, being part of, you know, the business environment, the business system and, and that being, um, you know, having um, responsibilities and, and parts of itself is if we're going to stop the pendulum from shifting back to process and results and task at the expense of people, yeah. we've really got to bring that because that's my my concern is we swung to people because the business and the external environment didn't give us any choice. It was no. almost a, this is what you will do right now. Yeah. And my concern is that when the business goes back and says, we need to start delivering, we need to get back to where we were operating and deliver things and start to push or whatever it is, that that is a directive that is in conflict with people. And I know it's not. No, it's not. It's this what is the thing, right? This is the, and this is where our narrow, punitive understanding, our holding to account um, understanding, is 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 based in. And so, the I talked about one factor for accountability success being clarity of expectations, and the second factor that came out, and I did a review of of um, a body of research in accountability that looked at public sector research, commercial education across the board, and the second factor is the quality of accountability relationships. So if you think about kind of clarity of expectations is like the mechanics of accountability, quality of relationships is about the dynamics of the accountability system, right? And, and the, the, the more fruitful our accountability relationships are, the bigger bandwidth we have to play in um, so that when things don't go according to plan, when deadlines are missed, when we have to have that difficult conversation with the stakeholder or a client, We've actually got the bandwidth in, converse, in, a, in the quality of relationships to be able to do that successfully. Um, and what that means is we've got psychological safety. We, we call things out early when we can see that there's going to be a problem or when we can see that a deadline's going to be missed or when we're just not coping with what's been asked of us. Um, and fruitful accountability relationships mean that this partnership in accountability is something that's really effective. And importantly, and I say this every time I talk about fruitful accountability relationships, it doesn't mean that we're best buddies. Mm. In fact, sometimes, Shelley, if you and I get on really, really well, and there's an accountability relationship between us as well, you know, the getting on really, really well can sometimes kind of get in the way of the conversations that we might need to have around accountability. Mm. Um, and so often, um, as I speak to clients, I say, oh, we've got a great culture here. It's like a family culture. And I kind of go, oh, my God, really? OK, tell me about your culture, because that can sometimes be the thing that is actually getting the, in the way um, mm. of having those clean, clear conversations that are about what do we need to do together here to serve our organisational entity, our stakeholders, each other 
in our accountability partnership. Mm, I love that. I um I do actually uh, have a little um, question that I get leaders who are really close to their team and want to kind of kick things off um, is, you know, when they're having a conversation with their staff, they ask them, um, how would you like to be led when? And it's, um, you know, how would you like to be led when things are going well? How would you like to yeah. be led when things are stressful? But how would you like to be led when I need to give you feedback or I need to hold you accountable and you actually um, so then it doesn't compromise the relationship it sets it just sets some expectations around you know there are times where I will need to hold you accountable how would you like me to To do do that that. and most people are really good with that and so then when it comes time to have the conversation you you really just frame it with uh, remember we spoke about me holding you accountable we're gonna go there now Because what you've done is create permission to go where you need to go, right? And sometimes Mm -hmm. we have to go there, right? That's the role of leaders. Sometimes we have to go into those uncomfortable, um, the uncomfortable truths, the conversations that need to come about in order for us to kind of resolve those Mm -hmm. and move forward. And they can feel unsafe. They can feel dangerous. Mm. Um, And yet, actually, by asking that question, what we do is we give permission to say, you know, we use that as a reference point. You told me this was the way you want to be led. And so this is now what we are doing together. Mm. That's beautiful. Love it. And, and, you know, after you've had the conversation, you can follow up with, is that what you expected or is that how you expected that to go? Because in, it can sound like a good idea in theory, but until you've actually experienced yes, it and then yes, it gives yeah. you this ability to have this open dialogue around, well, actually the way you did it was probably a little bit too fast. Maybe you could slow it down or maybe you could do things a little bit differently. Yeah. Um, but I love it, that. It's, that's such a great example of fruitful accountability relationships, mm-hmm. because what that speaks to is there's not a one size fits all, right? In your team, you might have someone who's perfectly okay with accountability. That's fine. Just, just tell me what I need to hear in order for us to get to work, the work done. And others are, are, you know, are not as okay, not as robust in the face mm. of, of uh, being asked to step into what's going well or what's not going well. Mm. Um, and so I think that's a, a beautiful way to actually, for leaders to understand the situational leadership required mm. as they engage in accountability partnerships with their team. And mm. also helps for individuals to go, how do I like to? <laughs> yeah. Because we don't have to think about that. It's like, actually, you know what? Before you say anything, I'd like you to just check in and see that I'm okay because yeah. I might not be in a good place. And, um, but we might not know that until the time. So you might get the conversation the way that you've asked for it, but it might not fit or, you know, so it allows that, that two way dialogue and this almost iterative process yeah and that's exactly what it is you know it is it's a it's a dialogue it's not a one-way diatribe yeah and and again you're what you're demonstrating beautifully with those is these are powerful questions and our role as leaders is to ask questions that that give us the orientation and 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 focus attention on the things that we want more of, on on what we want to grow and learn forward, on what we want to um, deliver in the future. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because what we focus our attention on is what we get data about, right? What we get information about. And that is often the basis of our planning and Mm -hmm. what we put into action. So by asking the right questions, we actually as leaders set a strategic agenda 
for where the attention, focus, planning and action goes in our teams. And, um, and in the book, I, I suggest a number of different what I call coaching ladders of different mm -hmm. questions to ask, depending on whether you're setting up an accountability, a relationship and situation from scratch or what you're actually trying to do is, is, is you're having to get something kind of back on the rails. And uh, there are some different questions that we can use as accountors, depending on the scenario that we're that we're faced with. Um, and don't you think that um, asking questions, because I hear a lot of leaders say, yeah, I'm no good at asking questions. And I say, awesome, ask more, because that's probably your, uh, that's yeah. probably where your gap is, is that you don't ask enough. And I think you can only get better at asking questions if you ask more questions, unless there's a shortcut. That's, that's right. No, I absolutely agree. And questions are interesting because um, I, I don't, oh, well, I know we are not taught to question well, like in school, um, yeah, questioning is a good thing to a point and then it kind of gets in the way and then you're, you're the annoying child who's asking too many questions. Um, and I think it's the same in workplaces, right? If we get too many questions, it slows things down. What we're looking to do as leaders is get to the answers so mm. that we can move things forward. Um, and so it can feel really counterintuitive for us to be asking questions because the other thing that questions do is that they hand over control mm. right we're not giving the answers what we're doing is inquiring together and and it can feel like it's a bit kind of loose and a, well what happens if they give me an answer that I'm not happy with and you know when do I where what do I do then and it's like well yeah that's what dialogue is about if they if they if you're asking a question around um, how often should we check in on your progress and they give you an answer oh how about next month and you're thinking, how about next week? Then that's a point of dialogue. That's a point of, okay, well, I, you know, perhaps a month is a bit too far out given what we've got to deliver between now and then. Um, how about we catch up next week and see where we go from there? So by asking questions, we don't just, you know, accept the answers and go, okay, I'm just going to take whatever the person gives back to me. It's then a dialogue that reaches, that gets us to a point of agreement around how we're moving forward with our accountability and responsibility. Absolutely. And um, it's the leader that really needs to guide that process and the conversation. How do they, and it, would it require leaders to be able to experience what that feels like themselves? I think that this is a really interesting thing because I think whether we're a leader or a team member, we are both an accountor, as in someone asking for uh, accountability and an accountee in terms of us being asked or delivering on accountabilities. Because when you think about it, um, as, a, as a leader, we have accountability to our team. Mm. And as team members, we clearly do. Now, the nature of those accountabilities might be slightly different, mm. um, but there definitely is, you know, it's a dynamic of, of both. Um, and so I, I think that to begin with, um, just the, the preparation piece that you mentioned right at the top of our of our talk today of our conversation so important like for for an accountor for someone who's having an accountability conversation or an accounting actually I'm going to say anyone who's going into a conversation about accountability to actually spend five or ten minutes thinking about well where where are we at with with this with the accountability task what am I clear on what am I not clear on? 
what do I need in order to move forward? And is it information? Is it support? Is it actually for, uh, for me not to be responsible for this? Is this the nature of the conversation that I need to have? So mm-hmm. that idea of actually preparing. Um, and again, you know, we've talked about firefighting and the amount of pressure. I think that, that the most valuable thing that an accountor could do or in a county is to spend five to 10 minutes before that conversation, giving some time and mm. thought to what, what am I clear on and what do I need to know um, around what I'm being asked to deliver here? Oh, I love that. Do you know what makes me think um, about this topic that I've been talking about a little bit this year is this swap out productivity for effectiveness. And I think, yes, you know, listening to you, it's like, for us to be more effective we need to slow down which means our productivity short term might suffer but our effectiveness overall will increase and that's a really important shift I think in business and in leadership today it's huge so we need to go from not getting as much done as possible but getting the right stuff done, right? Mm -hmm. So this is about strategically leveraging the resources that we have available to us, including our own. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where effective accountability, that's where we come back to do this first, because this is your strategic leverage point for for effectiveness all the way downstream. All of this stuff that you're, the maelstrom or the uh, whirlpool of stuff that you've got down here, if we get this right, if we take time to get this more and more right, then that down here will start to settle. Um, and it doesn't have to be that, you know, okay, we press pause on everything. As I say, we can build the bridge, the accountability bridges as we walk on it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it begins with leaders fundamentally shifting how and when they do accountability um, with, with their team members and normalising it as part of everyday conversations. And what I would add to that is if you've never done this before, trust the process and I think you've got a fabulous process for people to follow your book is thank you it's really easy to read there are just so many things in there that you know your concepts build on each other and it is if you were to take pages book own it and just trust the process that you you offer I think you will find the effectiveness will will follow yeah I've done it I've done run this in through my own business I've run it through my teenage girls. I've got uh, a 15 year old and a 17 year old. And uh, yeah, and so as I kind of built out the ideas and took the research and went, that's interesting. What does that look like in the real world? Um, yeah, I've been testing and trying these ideas out and, and they work. And, and you know what's beautiful about it? It really cleans up relationships because it stops being about um it, it really equalizes this uh, the power dynamic because we are clearly in partnership over this mm-hmm. and it means that um that there isn't any um misunderstanding and and that idea of like drama naming shaming blaming talking about people rather than to them all of that stuff really gets cleaned up mm-hmm. um and you can feel a lot more confident and effective about having these conversations because nothing's coming as a surprise Mm, yeah absolutely the last question I have for you is really around um, the importance of why at an individual level so whenever I've given um, feedback or I'm helping someone to uh, work through something I love to attach it to what's your 
What's their own individual why? What's the thing that will allow them to sit safely in discomfort, knowing that there's a better place that it will get them? Um, uh, and yeah, just be curious on your thoughts around, you talk about why in the book, um, but yeah, I want to get your thoughts on why. So um, why, why accountability for me or why accountability generally? I think at a personal level is, is quite important. Yeah, yeah. For the individual. Yeah. So, so for me, it's about, um, it's about truth. It's about showing up in your truth and walking your talk and feeling integrated. And so that, that idea of not having to walk into a meeting with a knot in your stomach because you're worried you're going to be found out in some way. Um, that idea of um, not feeling completely overwhelmed and overburdened because you've said yes to everything and your boundaries have been completely blown out of the water by people who are either not, not able to see them or you haven't communicated them at all. Um, and, and that feeling of complete overwhelm and, and, and anxiety. And so for me, personally, it's about truth. It's about living into and being truth in the world and accountability, owning what's mine to own and very um, clearly and kindly not carrying other people's water, giving it back to them to carry and offering support if they need support to carry it, but making it very clear, this is yours and I am here if you need me, mm. um, has meant that, um, yeah, I, I've been able to be very clear in my boundaries and honour other people's as well and, mm. and help them see where theirs are. So that's, that's kind of my why. The other things I've seen for people is this idea of overwhelm, overburden, anxiety goes this idea of being found out as an mm. imposter goes because they've had the right conversations that mean that those things are just not part of their reality anymore. Mm. Oh, do you know, I, I got so excited when you said clear and kind and those two words together, because I think sometimes we feel the need to sacrifice one for the other. If, yeah. if I have to tell you clearly, I can't be nice at the same time. Yeah. No, and I talk about it in the book, as you'll know, Shelley, accountability is an act of love. Mm. It says, I see the greatness in you. You can play a bigger game. Mm. And that's absolutely what it's about. It's truth and love, truth in love. I'm here for you. I will help you do this, but this is yours to do. Um, and those two things together are hugely powerful hugely powerful to give back autonomy, to grow confidence, to learn forward, development, mm. mentoring, all of these things come out of this, this type of conversation. I love that. I could go on and ask more questions, but I think it's beautiful to <laughs> leave it there because I think it's such an amazing point to end on. Um, Paige, thank you so much for joining for this conversation. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. It's one of my favourite topics. Oh, me too. Thank you so much, Shelley. It's lovely to talk to another accountability enthusiast. <laughs> <laughs> With kindness. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening. I look forward to another Dynamic Leader conversation with you soon. Thanks again for listening to another episode of The Dynamic Leader. There is no better time than now to work through your leadership and people strategy, to establish what the future might look like for your business and how you might empower your people to help you succeed. It is through building the capability of your people and reducing their dependency on you 
that will keep you moving forward at pace and will see you remaining relevant in the future. I have worked with over 100 businesses across almost as many industries and seen firsthand the challenges that come with employing, engaging and managing staff. If you're looking to improve how you lead, why not reach out for a conversation? In the meantime, thanks so much for joining me and stay awesome.